Hello. Hello. You're listening to Trap oh, My Track. Sorry, with... I, I went a bit too soon then. You normally, oh. you normally lead in. <laughs> I'll guide you in. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast that takes a great pop music album and breaks it down, track by track. And we get along because on the turntable this week, we've got Release by Pet Shop Boys. We're going hot, we're going hot, we're going hot. Do we get along though? Do we? Yeah, we I do meant... really, we do really, don't we? Now, what? What? Sometimes, well, actually, what I meant, we get along like we get along with things. We get along. I'll tell you what, Will, we get along with Pet Shop Boys albums. I've got a big announcement to make this week, actually. This is our 10th Pet Shop Boys album we've covered on Track by Track. Oh, we've got many left, have we? Well, we've got a fair, fair whack to go, aren't we? Haven't we? We've got, what, four or five left to do. And then, what, is that the end of Track by Track then? Let's call it a day. No, there's much more. There's further. There's lots of further listening albums. We've got the disco albums. A couple more soundtracks to go through as well. I think we'll be here all the way through till 2024 at least. Wow, that's quite the promise. And Dan, just at the start of this episode, and I've been waiting to say this because this is our first uh, episode for everyone of 2022. I just want to, not Happy New Year because we're we're beyond that now because it's February now. If you're listening at time of recording, uh, mm. but I just wanted to say from me and all the team at Track by Track, congratulations on your engagement. Oh well, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Touched. I just I'm absolutely chuffed a bit for you, and I can't believe it's happened. Why do you, do you think I'm unengageable? If that's even a word. It probably isn't. No, 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 no. Just because, like, you know, you and your other half, lovely pair, actually. Uh, I just thought you were very happy with your lot. I didn't know whether you were in that sort of space. And it was just a wonderful surprise. Obviously, I've known for a while. I'm, you, Yeah, you've known for a while. Yeah. We we actually got engaged on the 1st of December, which is our six-year anniversary. We went to New York. We both planned to propose to each other, which was uh, lovely. and But we didn't announce it, you know, not that we're brad and angelina or whatever but we didn't announce it on the socials until this month let christmas and that get out of the way and we had the lovely miriam margulies record a video for us to announce it is it true she's going to be officiating at the wedding yes will and she's with us today <laughs> big fan of the pet shop boys probably is actually uh, so it's with high spirits that we come into the start of today's episode not just because of your engagement um, not just because this is the 10th Pet Shop Boys album, but because we are talking about a, te- a Pet Shop Boys album again on Track by Track. And, you know, it's only a matter of time every year before it comes round. So and I'm sure it's not the last time we t- will talk about them this year. And maybe, Dan, maybe they're going to give us reason to talk about them further this year. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I think that's, you know, we did say we're running out of albums, but 
hopefully we get a few more studio albums over the next few years and, and we, we physically can't run out. Now, this is released today and we'll talk about this album in a minute, but do I need to explain who the Pet Shop Boys are? No. If you're listening to Track by Track and you're listening to this episode, there's a very, very good chance you know who Pet Shop Boys are and you've listened to our Pet Shop Boys episodes before. Suffice to say, they're jam-packed with passion, conviction and a little bit of music as well. Yes, if you don't know, we kicked things off. This whole podcast started with Pet Shop Boys. It was inspired by the Pet Shop Boys Track by Track episodes on Spotify with David Williams. And yeah, 10 albums in. And Will, I'm not sick of talking about Pet Shop Boys yet. Good, because we're going to spend the next, however long this takes, uh, to to do more of the same. Today, we're talking about release. Why are we talking about release? So this one turns 20 this year. Wow. Still feels like one of their more recent releases. Yeah, I was thinking the same. 20 years since release. And I thought it'd been a while for me. Now, release, this is, uh, you could say many things about this album. It's a bit of a departure sonically. Uh, It's almost an album that wasn't. uh, And it's definitely something that uh, continues to give, particularly when you look at the further listening releases of release. And we alluded to this in the Hint of a Tease episode, but... We are so spoiled for choice that I don't, I'm not sure if either of us at this point have actually finalised which song we're going to talk about for further listening because there are so many uh, runners and riders. Yeah, no, I'm still, I don't think I'll make my mind up until I announce it. And we were saying just before recording, we could actually do an episode, we could do two episodes on the further listening tracks from this album. There's just, as always with Pet Shop Boys, so much gold in there whether it's a demo or whether it's a remix or whether it's a, a b-side they're all just of such high quality that they deserve to be spoken about by two pop music aficionados or we could do it if we can't find any <laughs> so release the eighth studio album from pet shop boys released on the 1st of april uh, all the way back in 2002 uh, and I think we're going to get to talk about some old friends as well today, as well as Neil and Chris. Uh, we've got some more people to talk about that we're very familiar with. Yes. That's right, Will. <laughs> oh, do, you want, is that, do you want it now? Do you want it, sir? Do you want it? <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, but we'll come on to that later. I think we should just get on with it. Or well, let's get stuck in, as they say. As we say. As we say. So, side one, track one, this is Home and Drive. Home and Dry there, the lead single and the opening track of release instantly will. Following on from Nightlife, the album that came before this, a very different sound, isn't it? It is a very different sound. I still, I don't think it's as different as we're going to get further into the album because there's still a really nice synth running along it. But 
you're kind of hearing some guitars in here. You're kind of hearing something a bit more downplayed. Very melancholic, which we're very used to with Pet Shop Boys. But I really, I think it sets the scene really well in this album. And I love the, you know, home and dry and the connotations of that as well. It's feeling cosy, not cosy, but, you know, feeling at home, feeling comfortable. Yeah. And apparently that phrase home and dry which we know and love so well isn't really you know it's a very british phrase so fans around the world didn't really get that but i suppose that can't be the only time that's happened with pet shop boys can you can there because they are a quintessentially british band you know well read but also well versed in british idioms you're an idiom idiom oh sorry (laughs) sort of turn a phrase if you will now, I mentioned at the start that this album almost wasn't to be as well, because I think they weren't actually planning on doing an album, a new studio album at this point. It was more going to be something along the lines of a greatest hits. And that did follow, didn't it? Pop art came after this. But I love the idea that they were in the studio and they started writing that new song or two for the greatest hits. And then just you can just well imagine Neil and Chris thinking, actually, no, there's too much good stuff here. Well, they've. I think they are so creative and they're always so hungry to try new things to experiment with new sounds and collaborations that you know even now in 2022 creatively creatively they're very much still still doing it and yeah well i kind of glossed over the the sound of the song i said it was a new sound like you said it wasn't too far removed from what we know from pet shop boys because you have got that synth beat running through that really kind of rounded chunky subtle synth beat throughout but there's some wonderful guitar in there as well and you mentioned before will an old friend of pet shop boys an old friend of track by track it is of course the legendary johnny marr who plays guitar throughout the album but also what's interesting about this is that the whole thing is much more organic with the guitar with the piano with the drums but some of it is still electronic and is still created by neil and by chris and by the synths this was the single lead single to be released uh, and it got to number 14 in the charts which maybe was reflective of the fact it was a little bit of a departure and i mean it's still very respectable hit but by pet shop boy standards less so than usual definitely But lots of new entries on the chart that week, well, I have to say. So entering at number one that week was Gareth Gates with Unchained Melody, knocking off Will Young with Anything Is Possible and Evergreen. But you also had new entries at number eight, Darren Hayes, Insatiable. At number seven, George Michael with Freak. At number six, Blue with Fly By Two. And at number five, Marilyn Manson with Tainted Love. Do you know what? For some reason then, when you said Gareth Gates, and then I thought, surely this album wasn't out. That's that time when Pop Idol was happening. And yes, it was. Yeah. 20 years, early this year, 20 years since Will Young was crowned the winner. Gareth Gates wasn't 20 years ago, was he? Bloody hell. Yeah, he's an old man now. He's about as old as Jordan was when she slept with him, I think. Oh. Lovely. Now, Will, do you remember the video for this song? No, not at all, actually. But I'm guessing you did or do or have looked at it recently? Well, 
interestingly, and I don't know how much truth there is in this, but some people, some fans, some critics think that perhaps part of the reason this wasn't as big a hit as previous Pet Shop Boys tracks is because the video was very strange. Talk about the elephant in the room, but actually it's more like the rat up the drain pipe. The video was just footage of mice running around the underground. That's a bit strange. What was the reason for that? Well, it was directed by Wolfgang Tillmans, Wolfgang, perhaps, actually. And I, I think it was just his idea and the boys were happy to go along with it. I should say there is some shots of them performing, of uh, Pet Shop Boys performing as well. But, yeah, not a favourite of the fans. Uh, Wolfgang Tillmans, if you want to look him up, uh, very interesting uh, history and body of work in what he's done. And Dan, mm. back in the day, oh, he was absolutely gorgeous. I'm sure he still is. Well, he's uh, he's he's he's, uh, he's aged well. Yes, good, good for him. And of course, well, not one of their biggest hits, and twenty years old now. But very recently, this was still being included in the set list when we saw them perform the Inner Sanctum show at the Royal Opera House. This was still in there. It was merged with the Enigma from their Alan Turing uh, music. But I do seem to remember it being a nice, almost a bit of a breather in what was otherwise a very full-on show. Interlude. Mm. Mm. Okay, track number two now, I Get Along. This, for me, is where it seriously turns a corner. This is like Pet Shop Boys do Britpop, do a bit of indie, very much more drums and guitars, but still a track that's very anthemic and lyrically very clever. Definitely. I have to be honest, I was listening to the album a lot this week, but the first time I put it on... Homer Dry started things off, but recognised that instantly. And then this track started, and I thought by mistake I was just playing music on shuffle, and I was thinking to myself, oh, hang on a minute, I recognise this. Who is it? Is it The Beatles? Is it Oasis? And it took a few seconds for me to realise, no, this is the next song on release. Uh, Dan, what's the link between this track and the Labour government of the late 90s and early noughties? Uh, there isn't one. No, there is. Of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Neil has said that this, the lyrics of this song, although primarily written as a love song, it could also be interpreted as a commentary on the relationship between Tony Blair and the new Labour architect, Peter Mandelson. Now, oh, that's not Mandy. the kind of content listeners are used to, Will. No, political chat. But I remember Peter Mandelson very well. Uh, and he had a lovely dog as well. Uh, that obviously not like David Blunkett and his dog, 
Peter Mandelson's was much more just a, a home pet. Mm. Uh, but he also had a uh, Brazilian lodger or something. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh, really? Mm. So, Dan, let's just cease and desist on that before we are asked formally to cease and desist and continue talking about this song. I know it's different and I know it's a lot more guitar-led, but I really like it. I lo- Yeah, because it's still got the essence of a Pet Shop Boys song. I love the simple rhyme of this one, which, you know, Neil, as we've said before, as a lyricist, and as you'll see, if, if you've got the 100 lyrics and a 100 lyrics in a poem or 100 songs in a poem the book 100 greatest lyrics on channel 5 on saturday night (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of thing that i would actually watch yeah Um, sometimes it's very is it feels more like poetry sometimes though the rhyming is simple but it's done so well that you love it and that's what you get here but there's that wobbly synth line throughout that just really takes you back from the Britpop sound from the guitars and the piano and Mm. everything like that and it's just reminds you, actually, this is an electronic group doing this arms in the air sing-along song. And this was the second single, Will? Mm, yes, it was. It got to number 18, so a little bit of a loss there on the lead single. But I can see in some ways why, again, this would only get into the top 20 and not the top 10. But I have to say, all the singles were stuffed with B-sides. It just overloaded with B-sides even, and we will come on to that later, uh, but only share two, uh, but we'd encourage you all to uh, to look at all of the others on the Further Listening album. Also, the single artwork on this uh, was very unique, wasn't it, Dan? A pie chart. A pie chart, yes. I really like it. I really love this artwork. Well, the whole... As always with Pet Shop Boys, you know, the whole campaign, the artwork throughout the project is fantastic. But this artwork in particular, it's so Pet Shop Boys. And will elsewhere in the charts, and so this entered at number 18, at number one, you're not going to believe this, it's Gareth Gates with Any One of Us, Stupid Mistake. Oh, that was his song about Katie Price. Yes. It could happen to any one of us, any And elsewhere, will new entries in the top 10 from Beyonce with Work It Out and also Flip and Fill with The Shooting Star. Now, I have to tell you this. On day of recording, I put out a tweet this morning about Kelly Lorena and Flip and Fill because True Love Never Dies turns 20 on day of recording. I am very naive. I'm very innocent. I didn't really realize what Flip and Fill meant, if indeed anything. So I just put Flip and Fill into Twitter and searched to see if they have a, an account. But Flip and Phil means something very different. And there were quite a few videos that popped up of somebody, I, well, being, I, somebody being flipped and filled. I don't get it. <laughs> you don't believe it. He did, though. Twice over. Anyway, I'll, I'll, whilst the next track is playing, I'm going to look that up. And before we get to it, Will, I just want to say one other thing that was baffling, bonkers, different about this song. Although you get it throughout the album, but in the video for this one, you see Neil playing guitar. He's multi-talented, multi-faceted, isn't he? He is. Bloody genius. Right, come on then. Track three now, and this is Birthday Boy. If you knew his name, 
now, birthday boy and fair. And I, Dan, I always, this always feels to me like quite a somber moment for a, you know a title like birthday boy. You think, oh, it's going to be something really fun and bouncy, but actually, it is. It's not at all. That guitar, well, guitars are there are very heavily laid in there. Uh, I mean, it's. I love it. It's a great track, uh, and I love what it stands for as well. But again, further going deeper into this different world that they're creating with this album. Yeah, I love this one. I just, again, the I feel like it's a really nice sequence from Home and Dry to I Get Along to Birthday Boy. They, it's not, it doesn't slap you around the face or smash you around the head with an acoustic guitar. It's leading you into this new sound. But this one, it's, it's in the detail of the song, the piano and the guitar particularly the outro actually it's so anthemic but also neil's vocal delivery he he's got that real somber deeper more brooding sound as he's singing about jesus christ yeah but not only jesus christ it's also making reference to to really sad really awful murders that happened around this time matthew shepherd and stephen lawrence absolutely shocking things that happened and you know i really one of the things i love about pet shop boys is they always look at the world around them at the time and and build that in you know if you think about this you know there was that was a a, a race and a homophobic murder respectively or the other way around anyway and when you think about what they've done more recently around things like Agenda and that EP, that was very much around what was happening in the world of social media and politics uh, and war has always featured very heavily in the music they've recorded as well. And so their knack of turning serious issues into wonderful, I was going to say three and a half minute melodies, but this is six and a half minutes long this so not that but turning it into music is is one of their many joys yeah and i think the fact that this is a longer track and you don't often really get that with pet shop boys do you normally is a three and a half minute pop anthem maybe five minutes max if it's a bit of a banger but i think the reason they have let this one run over is because a as you said this the stories and the sentiment and the meaning and the the true stories, you know, deserves that time. But also, like I said earlier, the outro, that's almost the thinking space, I suppose, to reflect on what you've just heard. And maybe, and that's why they deliver it, you know, without beats or synth lines, but it is very, very organic. And then even you've got the the operatics, which is um, from In the Bleak Midwinter and of course Christmas referenced early in the track. It's so different for a Pet Shop Boys song, but mm. it is so obviously a Pet Shop Boys song. Oh, yes, because it's on a Pet Shop Boys album. <laughs> sorry, you, sorry, sorry, you, sorry. Track four now. It's London. Tell it like it is. We were in the 
So London there. And obviously Will Pet Shop Boys are from London, aren't they? Which is probably why that's on there. No, they're not from London. And anyway, there's a much deeper meaning in this song, as you well know, Dan. Yes, just a little bit of slap and tickle there. Of course, they're not from London. They met in London. But also, yeah, what's the deeper meaning of the song, Will? It's actually about a pair of Russian deserters from the army who come to London. But I guess everyone has taken a different meaning and feeling away from this. I mean, I always love, having lived in London for many years, I always enjoy music that references London. I feel a connection there. I, and I, definitely with this song and many others as well. Uh, like London Calling by The Clash, Swinging London Town by Girls Aloud. Look at that, The Clash and Girls Aloud in one mm. sentence. It's track by track. I think Joe Strummer would love that, actually. Do you know what? He bloody loved Girls Aloud. Do you know what his favourite song of theirs was? Would have been? Would have been. <laughs> uh, sexy No, No, No. I was going to say Long Hot Summer. Because you often get a long hot summer in London. No, you don't, but nice try. Uh, so, no, this was, again, very, you know, linked to what we've been talking about before, linked to war, linked to political uh, goings on. Uh, and, and... And all that jazz. <laughs> Not the time. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> it's got a light in the now middle this, a little bit. This was uh, the single that never was in the UK, but it did get a release in Germany, which is very coincidental, or maybe not so coincidental, because it was the only track on this album uh, to be produced in Berlin uh, with Chris Zippel. Uh, and the single artwork uh, has got a mangy pigeon on the front, which when I look at it, I think London. London, very much so. I'm glad you mentioned Chris Zippel's name, Will, because we should have said at the start, this album is co-produced with him throughout. He started working with Pet Shop Boys on Nightlife. He was on the keyboards and the mixing and the programming and continued to work with them afterwards, producing or co-producing Miracles, which I absolutely bloody love. But he's also worked with some dance legends, including the likes of Paul Van Dyke and... He mastered Eiffel 65's Blue. Really? Wow. Yeah. He's also worked with Snap. He's worked with a lot of them, Will. Judge Jules, you name it. Judge Judy. Uh, <laughs> you name them. Now, there's also, on the on the single release of this, you can, uh, you can go either way, actually. So you can go into a piano mix, which is a little bit more stripped back, because there's some lovely electrical flourishes in this single version. Or there's a Westbam in Berlin mix, which really does do exactly what it says on the tin. And I have to say, actually, the, the standard album version, what I like about this is that you know, I've really enjoyed this new side or this, this, it's not a brand new side of Pet Shop Boys, I suppose, because they really did slow things down and mellow things with behaviour. But here, even more organic. But with this song... The beat comes in and it's a little bit more familiar territory. And of course, the vocal is vocoded throughout. It's almost as if Cher has been in the studio and left her microphone there, <laughs> which I'm sure Neil wouldn't, wouldn't mind me saying. Um, but I like that it's kind of moving 
back. Birthday Boy was so rocky, indie, if you like. We're just kind of changing the tide a little bit. Oh, Dan, you've just reminded me about Behaviour, that Track by Track episode when Neil Tennant introduced I Died. Well, Will, that was for our 100th episode, and we're not too far away, really, from our 200th album episode, so... What? Say what? You are pulling my pudding. A few, a few weeks, a few months to go, but it's this year, and it's, it's this side of this year. Track number five now, and this is email but one thing would make me sure if you send me an email that says I love you send me an email that says I love you So that was email, and what a nostalgic sound, silly to say, what a nostalgic sound that is at the start of this track. The sample, or the allusion to a sample. No, the sound of a modem connecting to the internet. (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant, because there's a bit of West End Girls in there, isn't there? There's a kind of a hint of a tease of West End Girls. Yes, and I actually said to you, without even knowing that, oh, look, it sounds like West End Girls. And actually, that's intentional. Yeah. Uh, But yes, the modem sound. And so strange that this is 20 years old. In some ways, I can't believe it's that old. In some ways, it feels very new. But yeah, it's crazy that back then, email and modems and the internet, how it was, felt like you know, the brink of technology and possibility. Now we look back and it feels like black and white television or something. That's, and also, um, you said, um, I can't believe it's that old. That's what that young twink said to you that time when we were in the club coming out of the toilets (laughs) and you kind of went face to face and he just pointed at you and then laughed and then ran off. See, listeners are going to know that's not true because the last time we went out clubbing was probably before email was invented. Uh, 1998. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not that old, listeners. No, I, I'm not that old. Oh, can't, no, come on. Don't be like that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're not sorry. But this song, Will, I love this juxtaposition of a more subdued... Again, it's a more organic track. It's still clearly electronics, but you know nothing compared to the electro the electric album for example but that with the digital subject matter and just that line send me an email that says i love you you know emails are not a romantic or a sexy form of correspondence are they no but have you ever emailed somebody in a sexy way well back in the day it was the only way to to send a dp wasn't it dp dick pic Oh, I thought double penetration. I was just wondering how that how that would work. We can have three people in a email chain. You can BCC someone. Try and put two USBs into the port. <laughs> it is possible with a bit of effort. <laughs> Some WD forty. <laughs> but yeah, the song. Will are you a fan of this one? 
I am. I, I know it's, a, you know, a, a lot of these songs are a lot, don't have the BPM that you would normally associate with me, but I am A-OK with the BPM on this LP. Okay. So number six then. Oh, I'm glad I get to say this title. The Samurai in Autumn. Samurai in Autumn there, and we're back on much more familiar territory with this track. Well, certainly in terms of the musicality, the energy, it's a real electronic odyssey, this track. Uh, And again, as befitting a lot of the tracks on this album, a very lengthy, over four minutes, this one as well. And I love just two thirds of the way through it, you just get immersed in this world. But Dan, the Samurai in Autumn, what is it what is it all about? What does it mean? Well, lyrically Lyrically Not only the subject matter, but also the style in which the track is laid out and the lyrics are laid out, very inspired by Japanese culture. But also interestingly I don't think Interestingly, interestingly Oh no, maybe it does need one of those. Um, <laughs> the Pet Shop Boys on the Nightlife Tour did have costumes inspired by samurais so i think it's it's a style that they have had an interest in uh and they've kind of collated together for this track but what i find really interesting about it is of course that musically yes you wouldn't particularly know that (laughs) Uh, also i think like autumn isn't it a reference to aging as well it's like the autumn of your life leads into the winter of your life and Hard to believe the Pet Shop Boys were only a little bit older than me when they wrote, wrote this song. I know, I do find that fascinating that at this time, they were probably considered, well, they definitely were, would have been considered older pop stars, more mature musicians. And, you know, you probably would have thought, oh, are they getting towards the end of their career now? And of course, 20 years on, they're still at their peak. They're still discovering new sounds. They are still involved in new projects on this song though will how incredible for side b of the album as well if you've got the vinyl or the cassette how incredible must this moment have been the first time you listen to it or indeed the first time we did listen to it i love how it's really just hot back to a more familiar pet shop boy sound oh yeah i can imagine some people would be like oh thank goodness once they uh put the put the needle on it after they turned over I don't even know. It did make me think as well. I would love to hear this one live. We said that obviously Home and Dry was played live recently and that was a single. I'd love to hear this one. But I would love for Pet Shop Boys to play every one of their studio albums live in full. Of course, not many artists do that, but but some do, some have. Some just do the odd one. I, I don't think I need to ask the question, Will, but would you, if Pet Shop Boys did that, if they did a series of dates and did every album in full, would you be banging down the door to get the tickets? No, I prefer it when they just do the, the hits. 
Sorry, Dan, but you just you were asking for that, weren't you? <laughs> of course I would enjoy that. Of course, of course I would be there would. for that. So, next one then, track number seven. Love is a catastrophe. Bourgeois construct. Mashup. Love is a catastrophe. Look what it's done to me. Which is quite a broad statement to make because I think we both agree differently on that. We're not in love with each other, obviously. Differently. Well, no. Well, in a way, you could say yes. What? <laughs> anyway, what a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Shocked, no shocked face surprise. from me. No, not this week. This so this has, depending on what version of the album you're listening to and looking at, you'll have a different ver- variation on the same thing, which is a flower head and a little bit of the shaft. No, not shaft, stem. <laughs> stem. <laughs> and th- what I'm looking at now is in black and white, but there is a colour. One which I think is on the further listening one, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, the further listening one has has the flower in colour, the green stem and the beautiful red of the petals, the dried petals. Uh, Dan, you normally know this. Who did the artwork? It was Greg Foley of the New York Design Group. And this was actually nominated for a Grammy for Best Recording Package because of the embossed sleeves and the choice of four colours. Oh. It came in grey, blue, pink or red. Wow. I was, uh, you've actually exceeded my expectations on that. I wasn't expecting as much detail. But more importantly, what do you think of the track? I do like the track. First of all, I think the title is, aside from the samurai subject, I think it's probably the most Pet Shop Boys title on here. I think if you had a Pet Shop Boys title generator, it would probably come up with this. But also, the whole song, I could well imagine... Neil Young or Leonard Cohen or Jack White or, you know, some in inverted commas or whatever you call them, singer-songwriter singing this song. It's so dark. And I think Neil has actually said it's the darkest track he's written, or certainly today it was the darkest track he's written. But I do think it's stunning. It's not my favourite track. I mean, I never, I never ferociously dislike a Pet Shop Boys song but it's not my favourite track on the album. And it wouldn't be my favourite track on the album, but it's just the fact that they have done this. I love incredible electric guitar on this one as well. And one of the things that I find really fascinating about it is that during the release tour, when they they played loads of universities in the UK, and this was on the set list. And I just can't imagine being at a Pet Shop Boys show and having Go West and It's a Sin and all that kind of stuff but then having a moment where this song is played. Especially in your student union. Yeah, you'd be off your rocker. I don't know what your student union was like on a Friday night, but mine was absolute carnage. Yeah, ours was 
rough as you like. But also, obviously, some people had the likes of S Club 3 or Gina G or whoever turning up. We didn't get any of that. None at all. We just had the local DJ. Oh, you were in uh, the, uh, the sticks. The arse end of nowhere. Crew. Manchester's Gooch. Hello to anyone listening from Crew, by the way. It's a lovely place. Got some fun. We memories. love you if you live in Crew. Yeah. How do you do? Track number eight now, and this is here. It's part of the process that you stumble as you climb. And if you ever feel the pain is far too big a deal. Dan, would you be surprised if I said that was my favourite song on the album? No, Will, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. I was, I was maybe thinking Home and Dry was your number one, but yeah, I can definitely understand why this one is. That synth line throughout is just mm. wonderful, isn't it? Well, also, I just love, it's gently pounding as well. <laughs> uh, and that's lovely. I just love the emotion in the chorus. It's what the Pet Shop Boys do best is to be gently pounding in the corner whilst also tugging on your heartstrings. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. In my notes, I put that this one almost felt like a hug from Neil and Chris. It's it's the familiarity of the electronics, but lyrically very warm. So a lovely, a lovely warm hug from them, whereas normally they're shaking you around like a ragdoll. So also, fun fact, this was originally going to be part of Closer to Heaven, which we have seen. We went there. Uh, And I could just imagine it fitting in really well towards the end of the show. But it was taken out and removed. And for me, it's just that line, you've got a home here, that really gets you. And it's just a lovely reminder on an album like this, just how... Pet Shop Boys are fantastic at combining the emotion and power of lyrics and feelings with some fantastic dance and synth beats as well. Yeah, it would have worked perfectly there. And I'm almost glad it wasn't included because I think with some of those tracks that the Pet Shop Boys did record that had previously been featured in Closer to Heaven, you can find yourself comparing them or you can find yourself thinking... You know, this isn't a true Pet Shop Boys song. It's them singing a musical song. Whereas here, it very much feels like an album track. It's a great album track at this point in the album. Kind of ready to close down, but still the penultimate track and the final track to go. As we said, incredible synths and just that familiarity, which actually what I like about this musically is that the synths build and build as we draw towards the end of the album. So, penultimate track then, this is number nine, The Night I Fell In Love. Next morning we woke, he couldn't have been a nicer bloke, over breakfast made jokes, about drink. See? 
so that was the night I fell in love. And a very interesting story to this one, isn't it, Will? Yes, it is. It's not just a kind of basic pop, mid-tempo bop. It's actually a lot more to it, isn't there, Dan? <laughs> I'm just going to keep passing it back and forth. <laughs> yes, it is, Will. What is it all about? <laughs> I guess with the with the lyrics referring to he as the other person, you could be forgiven for thinking, oh, 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 what have they said? What have they admitted to? But actually, it's a story about somebody, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Will. <laughs> Yes, it's telling the story about a rap fan falling in love with a rapper. The rap fan being a younger guy, the rapper being a little bit older. But strong rumours and strong hints that it's about a certain rapper, isn't it, Will? <laughs> I, I believe I, I believe it is, but it could be just as easily about them singing about themselves and... Uh, and just using this as a bit of a smokescreen, couldn't it? And I'm just, uh, I'm being quite suppository there rather than uh, <laughs> rather than it being any facts or anything. But, you know, they could be using these lyrics and this story to hide something about themselves, maybe. They could. But Neil Tennant has said about the song that it is the rapper in question. is It's not about Eminem. It doesn't mention Eminem, but it does hint at Stan and Dr. Dre. And this was sort of in response to Eminem having homophobic lyrics in his rap and Eminem saying, well, it's not me saying that. It's the character in the song saying that. So almost in response to that, Neil has written lyrics about a gay rapper and this encounter with a younger guy. But then in response to that, in one of his songs, Eminem uh, runs over the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, no. I think they survived. And Dan, can you even can you imagine a rapper having an encounter with a young man? Just picture the scene. No, no, I'll I'll say that for later. (laughs) (laughs) But as you said, well, the great thing about neil's lyrics are that although this does have the very clear references to some of eminem's work for the most part if you didn't know that story you could well assume this was a a, a almost quite generic love song about two men and there's nothing generic about that very special the love between two men could lead to something Mm. more significant dan as uh as we've seen this week Yes, yes. Thank you. Okay, so we're on to the last track of the album proper, and this is You Choose. Sing the blues. You don't fall in love by chance. their final track of the album they could have taken it either way will they could have brought the synths back took us away with a banger but 
it was in keeping with the majority of the sound of this album. And to be honest, Will, I don't know about you. No, in fact, I do want to know from you. I think it was the right decision. I might be about to contradict myself from the last few years, but I really enjoy how low key and quite quite emotional this last track is on the album. Choosing love, choosing that person. Yes. There's actually something about this one for me. I almost feel it's kind of Motown or sort of classic crooner-esque. It does, although I've said with a lot of the songs, it's a different sound, but it's undeniably Pet Shop Boys. I think this might be one of the ones for me where it could have been written for someone else. It could have even been written by someone else. It's just the whole feel of the song is quite far removed from what we know of Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. But on an album that throws up many surprises musically of the tracks that it's got on it, it's very faithful, it's 10 tracks. But if you think about what we've had, we've had kind of 90s Britpop indie guitar-led music. We've had some more electronic dream-like dance music. We've had some more basic kind of mid-tempo pop songs. And then we've got this at the end, which is so reflective and so honest that I just think the whole release era hangs in the Pet Shop Boys gallery. It's a very unique time. Definitely. And, of course, they did slow things down again a few years later with Elysium, but that was in a very electronic way still. This does feel like Pet Shop Boys, the yeah, the Britpop band, the indie band, the soft rock band, if you like. I I love this album. I think it's a really important part of their legacy. But of course, I'm glad they didn't stay in this style as well. But this is the beauty, isn't it, of us going through the whole Pet Shop Boys collection is, you know, you have these albums that aren't as archetypal as some of the, well, pretty much all of the albums we've covered so far. And that's all part of the fun of it as well, because there's loads you can pull out of uh, out of these songs, as we have, as many other people have. I mean, just wait till we get to the soundtracks, Will. That's going to be very interesting. Well, yes, quite. Now, just a word on the album performance in your ear, Dan, before we move on to further listening. This uh, got to number seven in the UK album chart when it was released back in 2002, which is a very reasonable performance. And actually, the reviews were, I guess, good to average with the likes of Rolling Stone giving it three and a half, Enemy giving it four out of ten, uh, but other other sites and other, art, and other publications giving it like four out of five. So I think it is mm. very mixed, but that does reflect quite a mixed bag and quite a different approach on this album. I have to say I like it in the context of all of their other albums, but they're kind of preaching to the converted here. Exactly, yeah. If this was uh, the first thing I'd heard of this band... Would I love it as much? Maybe not. But actually, it's it's the feeling of experimentalism that makes it a favourite of Pet Shop Boys Ooh. fans, I think. Experimentalism. A great name for a Pet Shop Boys album. Yes. Let's, let's copyright it before they can get their hands on it. <laughs> so we're moving on to further listening now. And I don't know where this is going because I don't know what you've chosen. You don't know what I've chosen. And I don't think either of us know what our own selves are choosing and also i have to say 
after however many years, three and a half years or whatever, of doing track by track and nine Pet Shop Boys albums before this, I think this is the most difficult further listening choice I've ever had. I think I might be in a position to go. Okay, Will, if you're ready. No, I, I, no, I mean, I need, I need the lavy, lovey. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> okay, right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for it. So my further listening choice is Love Life. So, Love Life there. This uh, was, you know, a bit of a a bit of a story behind it. I don't know if you know know this, Dan, but this was a track that was a demo the Pet Shop Boys had recorded under a different name, which they then gave to Alcazar, uh, who we have referenced before. We've not done one of their albums yet, um, but Alcazar released it, uh, recorded it, and released it. And this is the Pet Shop Boys version of that. But Pet Shop Boys were a big fan of Crying at the Discotheque by Alcazar. Alcazar were obviously big fans of the Pet Shop Boys. And they were like, can you do something with us? And they gave them this track. It was a big hit, uh, re-recorded. But this is the Pet Shop Boys version of that. And I love the fact that, like a lot of the songs Pet Shop Boys have written for other artists that we have talked about on Track by Track, the likes of... Liza and Dusty and Robbie and Girls Aloud. Even when Alcazar do it, it still sounds like Pet Shop Boys in it as well. And after the album we've just gone through, it's a lovely disco moment at the end. Yeah, you can definitely see why they didn't include it on release. But as an Alcazar track, a great track. But also hearing the Pet Shop Boys version, it's, it's it's good that they actually did create their own version of it as well. Because, yeah, it sounds great. It feels like it could have been on Bilingual or certainly kind of from the era. Dan, what have you gone for if you have reached a, a decision yet? I have have reached a decision. It was very difficult, but I have gone for because I feel a real kinship <laughs> with this song. I know what you've gone for. <laughs> this is... Sexy Northerner. <laughs> it's not So Sexy Northerner there. So this is one of the B-sides to Home and Dry. It also appeared as one of the bonus tracks because in America they got a bonus disc with the album which also had some uh, different mixes on there as well. And then following this album they released Disco 3 and there is the Super Chumbo version of it on there. But I think this is just quintessentially 
Pet Shop Boys. And it's actually, I've said that before this episode, it's really difficult. It's a really kind of superficial thing to say quintessentially Pet Shop Boys because as we've heard with release, they're not just the big synth pop duo that very, very casual fans know. But there's just something about the lyrics, the wit against that almost monotonous electronic beat. Um, it's just, I think it's a fantastic song and a key b-side from pressure boys what do you think will i love the really deep dance beat running through this it's very repetitive isn't it but i love that it's a bit clubbier after the album again after the album we just talked about but also this sexy northerner who is he he gets in for free does what he wants gets all the fags cigarettes uh Mm. It's not all Again, football and fags. It's not all football and fags, but it's a big part of it. Uh, but I really enjoy the fact that it is, uh, yeah, a bit kind of deep and dirty as well, as you'd imagine the sexy northerner is. Mm. But I love that we both thoroughly enjoyed release, yet went for those much more electronic dance-focused tracks for further listening. And I have to say, we did say this ahead of recording there's so much on here but there's so much on all the further listening releases from pet shop boys we probably will have to do full episodes on them at some point and that is a threat and a promise we're We're out out of time time. so So that was our 10th pet shop boys episode that was released do please go back and check out the rest you can also check out our closer to heaven episode and if you're a patron then you can get our pet shop boys further listening episode further listening is the series where we dive even deeper into the back catalog of some of our favorite artists and as always it all started with pet shop boys so we choose 10 of our favorites and as we say on the episode there will have to be another episode of further listening pet shop boys from track by track now, Will, we don't always do this anymore, but I think we should talk about next week's episode because there's a little bit of a connection, isn't there? Oh, OK. Let's do it properly then. So, Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next on Track My Track? So, Will, next week we are talking about a Pet Shop Boys co-produced album for a different artist. We did Liza results last year. So some might say this is the next natural step yes uh we are going to be featuring an artist by a legend but you'll need to join us on patreon if you want to listen to it yes you will you can also get 19 other exclusive episodes on there and as we said the further listening series and the chance to vote every month on an episode of track by track so please do let us know what you thought to the episode on the socials at Track by Track UK. But until next time, I've been the Samurai in Autumn. And I've been Wolfgang Tilmans. Goodbye. Goodbye. I hope we don't wake up one morning and there's an alligator in the pool. Yeah, or, you know, one morning open the toilet and there's a turtle head popping up or something like that. Oh. Oh, that went straight through me. Oh.